Syria was supposed to be a short-term hit, just a very short-term hit, and we were supposed to be in and out. That was many, many years ago. So Trump, uh, doing a number of interviews yesterday, explaining why he wants to get our troops out of Syria, and I see it's the lead story on Good Morning America and the Today Show today, ahead of impeachment. The uh, blowback from, well, practically everybody uh, in the Republican Party not liking Trump's move. I'm fine with it, but... It's interesting, from the lefty media to various uh, interventionist Republicans, they're trying to pitch the idea that it was an impulsive decision. Even though he ran on caught the Pentagon completely by surprise. Even though he's been saying that for three years. Yeah, and that he tried, he announced before, and then said, okay, we'll slow it down, and Mattis quit, you remember, over the whole question Mm -hmm. of pulling people out of Syria? So I don't I don't know how impulsive it actually was. I've well, been hearing know, about it for years. And I know from reading the, one of the Bob Woodward books back when uh, Obama was president, it's tough to go against the uh, the conventional wisdom in Washington D.C. in the State Department and the in the the Pentagon and just the whole town of you stay everywhere. Everywhere you go, you stay. It's like a government program. It's like a poverty program or an education program. Right. Same thing if we put troops somewhere. You're absolutely it just, right. It just keeps going. Yeah. Through both parties, regardless of success, you, you just don't end these things. That yeah. is that is the... I saw a guy from Cato give a speech on that on um, Book TV once, and I thought that is so interesting. Oh, I'd love he to see there's, that. He said there's a couple of things that are just conventional wisdom in this town, no matter who's president, no matter... Uh, what party's in charge? And one of his military occupations don't end. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the inertia you see in a lot of business. It exists in the entertainment business right now and broadcasting. We see it. Um, and it's absolutely true in foreign policy. It reminds me of the old saying that uh, uh, your attorney's job is to say, you better not. Right. Well, doing what's happening now, the status quo, inertia, is almost always... The cautious person's first option. Because if you do nothing, you can't be blamed for it going wrong. I didn't start this policy. I just inherited it. I'm just doing what's always been done. I'm sorry it went to hell. And and you're thinking, it doesn't appear to be going to hell. Maybe I'll just leave it alone. If you're the guy who says, we need to get out. We said we were going to get out. There's This is a perpetual occupation. This is nothing but blood and treasure for a part of the world where we will never fix it, we're getting out now. There will be bad things that happen. Because no matter what you do, bad things happen, you know, in geopolitics, some bad things. And so, yeah, the risk-free proposition is we just, let's just keep it going. And so, yeah, there's incredible inertia in occupations. And my, the reason I brought up the Woodward book, I remember uh, Barack Obama, when he was wanting to get out of somewhere... And uh, the Pentagon showed up with, here's your plan for adding more troops. Here's your plan for keeping troops the same. And no plans, even though he had asked for plans for getting out. Mm-hmm. And he uh, said, you guys are trying to box me into one situation. Well, Trump's up against that, too. The, I think the only way you can pull troops out of anywhere is to catch them off guard and just make the announcement. Because if you go through all the channels, they're going to drag their feet. They're going to try to, because everybody yeah. is against it. Yeah. It's almost impossible to do. The most striking thing about Bob Gates' autobiography, the guy who ran the uh, Department of Defense for both Republicans and Democrats, was that he was astounded how much he could not get done as the Secretary of Defense because of the foot dragon, the opposition. People would just not execute his orders within the DOD. 
I don't know what the right thing is to do. I could be completely wrong. I, I am in favor of getting our troops out of a lot of these situations that seem to just stay the same forever. Yesterday was the 18-year anniversary of starting in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. 18 years. Um, but, you know, the Lindsey Grahams and, and Mitch McConnells and a lot of people yesterday came out and said, oh, we're just going to leave them to the Russians and the Iranians. And so maybe that's a terrible idea to get out. But let's try it and see what happens. <laughs> I, you know, I have two thoughts on that. Number one, leaving it to the Russians sounds great. Yeah, have it. Enjoy it. Get have, the, have them get bled dry. Have a good time with Syria and Turkey and the Kurds. Just knock and yourself ISIS. out. ISIS. Come on. Yeah, just try to fix that whole situation. Have a good time. On the other hand, uh, Barak absolutely made a miscalculation when he prematurely withdrew from Iraq, left the void that ISIS occupied. Um, and, and that cost a lot of blood and treasure to fix. One other point on this. The president shouldn't be making this decision on his own. Hey, Congress, you don't like what he's doing? Well, then say he's not allowed to do this under the agreement that got signed in 2001 to go after al-Qaeda because of 9-11. Um, use your congressional powers to say this is not part of that act. Uh, end the act. Come up with a new one. Armed Forces Agreement, or whatever you call it. You can yell at all the chickens in that big, pretty building up on Capitol Hill, but it's not going to make them into uh, courageous men and women. I Forget it, it. but I feel, like, I feel like everybody, the media, the public, everybody has forgotten Congress's role in this whole thing. Right. They've gone out of their way to try to make you forget, sure. so that they're never on the hook for a vote mm-hmm. for staying or leaving. They can just wait and see how it turns out and then criticize it. Oh, Republicans yeah. and Democrats. It's amazing. Yeah. There is... Astounding bipartisanship on that point. I will not take a stand. I will just blame others if it goes wrong. Well, my clients told us this yesterday, and it's it's been true forever. The presidents, presidents, because uh, Obama did it, Trump did it, and whoever's next will probably get to do it. Moving all these troops around under the agreement to go after Al Qaeda because of nine eleven. Right. It's crazy. It's perpetual involvement in the Middle East, especially in the name of containing terrorism. Anyway. Anywhere, anytime, in any fashion. The fabulous Liz Sly will be joining us later in the hour to uh, discuss this situation oh, further. I want to hit you with these poll numbers really fast. Or do we want to do that when we come back? Yeah, we'll do that when we come back. It's time to take give, a break. Give me get... a taste. Just a little taste. Uh, give, give me a well, Here's the first taste. Should Congress have begun an impeachment inquiry that could remove Trump from office? Is now at 58% yes. Up to... <laughs> Up 21 points since July. Up 21 points since July. Begin an inquiry. It's at 58. Mm. Um, We can parse that if you would like. Oh, I will. And uh, there are should should Trump be removed? How many people want him actually removed? Yes. We'll have those numbers for you coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Officials in North Carolina have announced that a recent outbreak of Legionnaire's disease was most likely caused by hot tubs at the state fair. So if you got into a hot tub at a state fair, Legionnaire's is probably the least of your worries. Oh boy, that's gross. Hot day at the state fair, bunch of patrons walking around getting sweaty, getting in a hot tub. You oh, get in the hot tub too. Uh, it sounds oh. like an excellent way to beef up your immune system oh. to me. 
I mean, you would encounter all sorts of really interesting people and microbes. So in a few minutes, we're going to audition a possible new piece of transition music. Michael, ah. if you could have our two favorite currents ready to go so we can remind people what they are, and then we'll audition the new one in just a moment. Yeah, when we make a transition so jarring, nobody could deal with it. We use music in between, so stay tuned for that. So poll numbers out from the Washington Post and George Mason University, I believe. Um, the underappreciated founding father, George Mason. Genius. Absolute paragon of liberty. Fantastic. Should Congress have begun an impeachment inquiry that could remove Trump from office? I don't know what people mean when they uh, say yes or no to that, because I don't know how many people realize this isn't the same as the House passing impeachment like we've done in the past. Right. Or I don't know any of that yeah, stuff. We're, but, we're dabbling. But we're, I do know it's pretending. Up, I do know that it's up twenty-one points, regardless of how people interpret it. Yes, it's that's up, significant. Yeah, I'd say it. It's up twenty-one points now to fifty-eight percent of Americans say Congress should have begun an impeachment inquiry that could remove Trump from office. It's now fifty-eight yes, thirty-eight no. Um, should President Trump be removed from office? Among those who support impeachment inquiry. Okay, that only includes those people who support the impeachment inquiry. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I can't wait to hear the number. So you're for looking into whether or not he, uh, well, you're for looking into impeaching him. Should he be removed from office? Yes is 49%. Just half of those people. So half of the, just half of the first number. So half of those people say, well, we ought to take a look at it, but I, I don't know that he should be removed. That's interesting. It doesn't seem like that squares, but yeah, I don't know what people are I'm surprised are that people have that nuanced view, but uh, I don't know. Among independents, which wow. some people claim is a big deal because it's usually all the Republicans say no and all the Democrats say yes. Yeah, what, damn near. Yeah. What do independents think? Should Congress have begun an impeachment inquiry that could remove Trump from office? It's 57 yes, 38 no among independents, which is tracks almost exactly with everybody. So. Hmm. Which, yeah, they might be the swing because you get, I don't know. Um, And uh, one more for you. Congressional Democrats' handling of the impeachment inquiry, do you approve or disapprove? It's 49-44, approve, disapprove. The more you see, the less you'll approve, my friends. I can promise you that. Once you get to know the players... Once you see how they operate and how systematically they will uh, lie to you or whatever, you're going to like them less. I've seen a number of Democratic pundits say that Schiff really made a mistake in that whole lying about when he knew. That just really damaged his When side. the whistleblower you know, yeah. came to him, that stuff, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was not a good move on his part. Well, and then he, he uh, pretended to read. He recited like a fictionalized account of what the president said, mm-hmm. but in the official hearing and everything. Well, it just, his, his opening, yeah. Yeah, I just, it's, it's all very odd. You know, at the same time, uh, the president does himself no favors. You know, oh, with no his doubt. statements and, and the rest of it. But so, got the smallest in his neck I've ever seen. So when we make a drastic change from something silly to something serious, or vice versa, we use something called transition music. The idea is it's a palate cleanser. It uh, clears out your mind, so you're ready for a shocking change of uh, topic. Right. We've got a couple that we've been using for years. What are those, Michael? Okay, here's about here's a bunch of them. That's a pretty good one. 
I tell you what, from. you could use that on on ISIS fighters. Play him that for three minutes and ask him, what religion are you again? To say, I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. I think I may be Baptist. <laughs> it's a just, it's a mind eraser. How about another one? This is a good one. the original no i think the original was the uh herb alpert thing the, uh, oh that's right and then we got the we got one or... more uh, michael okay. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> yeah, that one is uh that one's oh, something. they're all so good is there another one who can't play the flute yeah. <laughs> playing, playing Take On Me. I'm, uh, I'm reminded <laughs> of guys I know who I play golf with who have a barrel full of drivers in their uh, their garage searching for the fir- perfect club. I'm not sure we need another one. Yeah, no kidding. But So I'm excited about this because it's from a particular uh, kind of singing that is popular in some Western cultures. I've not heard this. It's... Uh, in Mongolian, they call it humi. Is it the throat singing yes. thing? Yes. Oh. This is what it sounds Something if you yes! discovered at your current age, <clears throat> yes, that you're America's greatest throat singer. I know <laughs> it's really an incredible story about uh, he overcame so much adversity. Let's get drunk. It necessitates activating different combinations of muscles to manipulate the resonating chambers of the vocal tract. No, it's easy peasy. Um, there you go. And it's uh, very popular in uh, certain parts of the world. Mongolia, Russia, a bunch of other places I've never heard of. Altay, Kakassia, Tiba. You're making these places up. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. That could possibly be new transition. So did yeah, that get entered into the, uh, into the rotation of transition? Oh, I, really, I say yes. I actually like that song. Is there an album I can listen to on the way home today? <laughs> I'll see if I, I'll see um, if I can find hey, it. Hey, hey, hey. Tell you what, I'm going to go back in the studio and re-record the new Dead Flowers album, DFers 3, uh, 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 doing the throat singing. <laughs> Singing has been the national nightmare is upon us. <laughs> this kind of singing has been popular for a long time, but it was hidden behind the Iron Curtain for a long time with the Soviet Union. Sure, close the curtains again. With the breakup of the, <laughs> so- 
with the breakup of the Soviet Union, this art form was allowed to leak out into Ooh, the rest of the world. Boy, somebody needs to plug that leak. Some <laughs> things are better remaining. <laughs> they hated a hood. I hate. Throat singing. Who knew? It's the overtones, don't you know? No, it's all about the voice box and the nasal passages. What just, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we have got more on the NBA-China controversy. It is he- heating up by the minute. Really? really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It is not well, going to there, be... There's a, more than a billion dollars at stake. Yes. At least a billion dollars at stake for the NBA. Here's my question. And I suppose we'll get an answer in a few minutes, but the league commissioner came out and made a pretty good America statement. Pretty good. I wonder if the owners are squealing about it. Yeah, I wondered. how yeah. Did he sit down with all the owners and run that by him? I doubt it. And there's been a change in the Ukraine Trump uh, testimony. We're going to be going into that, some backdoor dealing. And hey, you know, Donald J. Trump. Uh, really sticks your head. I got to practice. I got a voice lesson this afternoon. <laughs> and again. <laughs> oh, shut up. Again, if you're bored with your horn, Tesla's got an answer. Oh, boy. Tesla's got a new horn for you. Yeah. Papa's got a brand new horn. Okay, fan. There's a lady who knows all the glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. I'm going to reinterpret all the great classic rock songs with the throat singing. <laughs> Yesterday, a little such music came to play. Dylan would have been perfect for this. Once about a time, you're just so fine. See, that's not different yeah. enough. Yeah. Stay tuned. So we're going to talk to Liz Sly from the Washington Post coming up here in a little bit about Syria and the Kurds and Turkey and that she's she's as good as anybody in the world on the on on the Middle East and uh, I don't know a lot of a lot of people that I respect their opinion say we just can't hang the Kurds out to dry. I've been shocked at how little support the president's gotten. Rand Paul and you. And the Tucker, big two. And Tucker Carlson. And Tucker. That's yeah. right. Yep. Uh, news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, it turns out the NBA is now backing the free speech rights of the Houston Rockets general manager. Outwardly, they are, at least. Adam Silver was telling Japan's Kyoto News while the league acknowledges the impact of Daryl uh, Morey's uh, recent uh, tweets showing support of freedom in Hong Kong. It supports his right to free speech. There are consequences from that exercise of, of, in essence, his freedom of speech. And, you know, we will have to live with those consequences. Silver says... If I'm running the NBA, I put out the statement he did saying, up with free speech, America. Well, it was more strange than that. But then I'm using my back channels, and if I'm commissioner, there's a back channel, and I'll bet you there is, to say... Hey, uh, guys, uh, owners, uh, why don't you talk to your employees? Uh, it's a four-letter message. S-T-F-U, period. And I'm not, I'm not even sure you'd need to do that. Morally, there, there was you know, talk that he, was, he may lose his job. As one of the most successful general managers in the NBA, he might have gotten fired. So do you think he and other players and general managers feel like, oh, okay, after Silver's statement, I could come out and say anything I want to about China no, today? No, no, the you know, opposite. They, no, of course. of course not. And the proof will be in, does this guy Morley or anybody else say anything negative about China any time in the coming days, weeks, or months? Right. I'll bet they don't. I'd be shocked if anybody today says, oh, okay, 
We're allowed to? Okay, yeah, China's really bad. They're terrible. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Nobody's well, I tell you that. what, guys like me, every time LeBron James makes some sort of woke statement about how awful the U.S. is, meanwhile, kowtowing to China, guys like me will call him on it. So that'll be interesting. S- to see. Somebody's going to get a microphone yeah. in the face of a, of a player or coach or something in China. Might be James Harden. Do yep. we have that clip? We do. Yeah, we apologize. Um, you know, you know, we love China. We love you know playing there. I know for, for both of us individually, we go there you know once or twice a year. They show us the most important love. So you know, we appreciate them as a fan base, and we love everything you know they're about, and, and, and you know we appreciate the support that they give us individually and as an organization. So you know, we love you. I don't. I don't have any idea how much James Harden, one of the best players in the NBA, pays attention to you know international politics. He might not have any idea what China's about. He might just be talking about the fans who sure. love him. You know, I get that. The lawyer for the U.S. ambassador to the European Union says his client's not going to be appearing in front of Congress today after the Trump administration told the diplomat not to speak to investigators. Ambassador Gordon Sondland has been part of the ongoing part of the Ukraine controversy where he apparently was directed by President Trump to uh, lead relations between the administration and Ukraine. If I understand this correctly, the reason that the White House is doing this is unless you call it an official right. impeachment, right. Um, we're not going to play along. Because once you call it an official impeachment, and fine, do it if you want to, Trump's saying. But then we get to have counsel there. We get to have a response to these things, of official response right. in the hearing. And right, right now we don't. And another bit of posturing that's really fun to, to watch if you're following this part of it is the the uh, the committee, the shift show, is exercising their impeachment powers, having not made a vote, as Jack says, but they're sending a subpoena. You are legally ordered to appear and testify. Right. They aren't sending the, hey, it would be really helpful if you could swing by. Are you willing to do that? So they're going right to the hammer right. when the tradition has always been you invite somebody first or you send a letter mm-hmm. saying, hey, we really need to hear from you. So they're skipping the nice stuff to get to the hammer, which they don't have the right to use at all, according to a lot of legal authorities, because they haven't uh, had a full vote on impeachment. Now, whether those legal authorities or different ones are right, the courts are going to have to decide at some point. But it's it's big-time posturing, yep. and nobody's quite sure what the rules are. Well, as the question of impeachment is swirling around, former White House Chief of Staff for uh, George W. Bush, Andy Card, has weighed in saying he does think the president uses hyperbole much too much. I, I don't always agree with what he says and how he says it. I wish he would be more careful with the language he uses, the tweets he sends out. But I do think that a, an impeachment inquiry is warranted. Now, Card says, though, it is time to slow down and take a look at the facts. I want people to calm down, take a look at it. Don't call a molehill a mountain. They tend to do that. There's hyperbole on both sides. So this is a serious process. I want to help the president do his job because he's our president. I also don't want him to be distracted by others who are trying to undermine him. Andy Card weighing in on impeachment. Good luck with the slowing it down and yeah, whatever. That's not what we do anymore. Now, Jack, I know you follow these uh, these uh, prize announcements very, very closely, and now we have the Nobel Prize in Physics has yes. just been awarded. You... Yes, I had a little experiment I did with some marbles and a ramp I had submitted and submitted? Uh, overlooked again. <laughs> yes, you were. 
It was a marbles in a ramp. You say sounds (laughs) sounds elaborate. It was a Canadian American (laughs) cosmologist and two Swiss scientists who won this year's Nobel Prize in the physics for their work in understanding how the universe has evolved from the Big Bang and the blockbuster discovery of the first known planet outside our solar system. Well, I'll tell you what: of things I can't wrap my head around, some of your uh, some of your deeper space sort of stuff. I've tried to read several of the pop books about those. Yeah. They're the, like the, you know, for the dumb people books. And I just can't grasp it. Just can't. Gotta dumb it down again. <laughs> dumb oh. it down even further. <laughs> Pretend you're talking to a dog. <laughs> oh. And on another, oh, I would say more base matter, in case you find beeping to be too boring, Tesla is soon going to be coming out with new customized horn and movement sounds. On Sunday, Tesla CEO Elon Musk tweeted about the change, noting that fart and goat sounds will be among the options. Goats? You can honk your horn and it sounds like a goat? Yes. <laughs> it is, or flatulence. Hard it, fart primary. It is thought that Tesla owners might be able to change their vehicle sounds to whatever customized sounds they choose in the future. Any sound they choose. <laughs> the horn sounds are just... That the- could be a problem. <laughs> You think? <laughs> the, the hard sounds are indeed for the driver's amusement. So anyway, the options are being laid out on the table. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be a fun suck. I'm yeah. amused by this, too. But I, right. I, there is a safety aspect to the whole horn honking thing. It's just we're all programmed to respond a certain way when we hear a horn honk. I don't know about a loud goat or... Loud flatulence. Or... <laughs> yeah, I don't know how responsive the driver in front of me is going to be when all of a sudden Al Pacino is yelling at him from the hood of my car for some yeah, reason. Or somebody's <laughs> about to change lanes on top of me and kill me, uh, pin me up against the wall, and... Is that going to save me? What? All right, one last note. CBS TV Studios playing a new miniseries based on the book A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership, written by former FBI Director James oh my Comey. <laughs> can, 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 can he go away? Is it possible to get him off the national stage? He'll go away the day Hillary does. The Hollywood Reporter says Jeff Daniels will star as Comey, who has been critical, of course, of Trump since his firing, including calling him morally unfit to be president. And Irish actor Brendan Gleeson's going to be playing Trump. Fantastic. Whatever. Whatever. The uh, studio reportedly hasn't decided whether it's going to air on CBS All Access, Showtime, or both. Well, let me know. That's your news. (laughs) I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. It might be the most unpopular thing Trump has done among his own party since he hit the stage. Is this uh, pulling troops out of Syria and uh, the moves with Turkey and the Kurds? Right. I, I don't remember as unified an opposition to Trump on anything as this that's been in the last 24 hours. We're going to talk to Liz Sly of the Washington Post about that area of the world coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. We want to bring 
our troops back home from these endless wars. And we're like a police force over there. We're not fighting. We're policing. Trump wanting to pull what few troops we still had in Syria out. A lot of people are saying that's abandoning the Kurds, a group of people that have helped us out in a number of missions going back decades. On the other hand, is uh, what do we got to do with that part of the world? We welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, and this is always a pleasure, Liz Sly, the Washington Post's Beirut Bureau Chief, responsible for coverage of Syria, Lebanon, and the wider Middle East. Liz, greetings. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. The difficulty in discussing the region is that any move by anyone has complex repercussions. Can you give us a brief idea of the U.S. pulling out of that part of Syria, what effect that's going to have on the various other players? Well, first of all, it's not clear they're pulling out. What is clear is that they are abandoning a couple of tiny positions along the border with Turkey that they only occupied earlier this year as part of an effort to do a deal with Turkey over security along the border. That deal has not worked out. Erdogan is very angry in a telephone call with Trump. Trump said, told Erdogan, okay, we'll get those guys out. You can go in and whatever. But at the moment, it's only that part affected. There's a whole other part where more of the U.S. troops are based, um, which is more linked to the ISIS fight. And they have not said they're leaving that part. However, that said... Trump has also made it very clear that he does want to get the U.S. troops out, um, that that they're not going to be there forever. And it's also unclear if Turkey does go in, whether there will be such chaos that the U.S. presence will become very difficult or unsustainable. And so, yes, if the the Turkish troops do go in, what you're going to have the possibility of is a war between Kurds and Turks, in which you have Turkey hunting down Kurds who belong to the specific organization that they don't like it's not all Kurds that they're against that's the YPG the ones who are the American allies Um, and you'll have Kurds trying to blow up Turks and making like guerrilla attacks Um, you you could also have Arabs turning against the Kurds from two directions the the Turks are allied with some Arabs um, and they are likely to bring some of those Arabs from the Free Syrian Army into um, in, in, into northeast Syria with them um, to help them in the fight. So you'll have those guys fighting. Um, but there are also Arabs inside the Kurdish area who are aligned with the regime, which is to the south of the area. The, govern- the Syrian government is there with its army and some um, Iran- Iranian backing, Russian backing. They also want the area that the American troops are in, and they are likely to take advantage of any chaos further to the north by maybe trying to snatch a bit of land for themselves further south. So, yes, this could lead to quite a chaotic situation. Okay, if we got completely out and let the Iranians and the Russians and the Syrians and the Turks try to figure it out, what what do you anticipate happening? Oh, lots of confusion and chaos and lots of bloodshed and a new, a new round of war, probably. Between who? Um, between everybody, um, between Kurds, Turks, pro-regime Arabs, pro-Turkey Arabs, um, and some Iranians helping the regime side and the Turks helping the other side. Great, Scott. Liz Sly of the Washington Post is on the line from Beirut. Uh, Liz, what is the, and I realize it's a difficult question to ask, but what is the prospect of a serious resurgence of ISIS fighters in the region? Well, 
course, ISIS will love a, uh, love chaos and they will love a vacuum. Um, they are trying to come back. They haven't been terribly successful so far, um, but um, there's plenty of evidence here and there that they're trying to push, push, push people to support them. Of course, um, if people think the Americans are going to leave, they might be more inclined to go back with ISIS. Well, and I understand, um, aren't, there like tens, aren't there tens of thousands of ISIS fighters being held by someone? Yes, at the moment, the... Um, Syrian Kurds um, are holding 70,000 family, ISIS families, but not all of them are ISIS. Some of them are. The majority are not. They're ordinary civilians. This is in a camp um, in an area not so far or yet affected by um, this threatened Turkish incursion. Um, but some of those women are very, very militant, um, and um, they are a risk. And there are also um, maybe ten to 15,000 ISIS, maybe, yeah, more like 12,000 ISIS fighters being held in prisons. Again, they are not directly affected by the area. Most of them are not directly affected by the um, areas that the, the Turks are threatening to invade. But they're a long-term problem. And that, again, you know, did the, did the U.S. troops leave before they solved that problem? Or do they leave that problem behind? And if you leave that problem behind, then you're going to have a whole bunch more ISIS um, fighters spilling over all over the place. So, um, yes, it's not easy for the U.S. to leave quickly, even though Trump clearly wants them to. Liz Sly, the Washington and he Post. Made a, uh, go ahead. I was just going to, I was just going to say, he made a big point of making it clear that, that he want, that, that problem is like probably what stands in the way of um, a U.S. departure right now. Liz Sly, the Washington Post's uh, bureau chief uh, covering Syria and the wider uh, Middle East. Liz, thanks very much. It's always enlightening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, so, listen, two takeaways from that. The absolute mind-boggling complexity of who's with who, who's against who, who wants what, who's willing to slaughter somebody over uh, the rest of it. And the other thing that uh, I just must point out is, boy, in the Middle East, they're super woke. They're super woke to identity politics. It's all about your tribe. It's all about your your color, your ethnicity, whatever. That's how they see the world, too. And that's what a lot of the, the progressive crowd is going for in the United States. Everybody sees everything through a prism of their own people. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. Just wonderful. Good luck. You, um, know, what, uh, you know what Saddam Hussein tried to tell George W. through back channels? And uh, and and Wolfowitz and the neocons didn't believe. Said, "Look, I'm sitting on all these people, and I'm a brute. Yep, you got that right. But I'm a brute because I got to be a brute. Everybody's willing to kill everybody the moment they get the chance. And that is so true in that part of the world. It's just crazy from a, a comfortable American perspective. It's just insane." Well, there don't seem to be many Republicans that agree with Trump uh, on on what he's doing. But, man, I listen to Liz Sly lay out that mess there in that little corner of the world and think, how are we going to make that better? We're the we're the big guy who sits on them. And we're going to stay there forever? Yes. And, and we're doing that. Why? I still don't get the why. To maintain order. Why? Why do we need to maintain order? Let it shake out. Somebody wins and keeps that chunk of land. Fine. I don't care if it's Saudi Arabia or Turkey or Syria or whoever gets that Russia. chunk of land. Russia. Mm. Who cares? Yeah, Enjoy it. Have a good time. 
I hear you. We used to be there because we needed the oil. Don't need it anymore in the Middle East when there's unrest. It was bad for the oil situation, so don't need that anymore. So go ahead. Knock yourself out. I don't get it. What, give me the example of where we've uh, intervened in those sorts of situations in, in recent memory, and it's it's been a plus for us. I just don't see it. Well, it it depends how you look at it. Chaos and, and war tend to spread. And if they spread beyond a, a narrow area, then it starts to affect the world economy. I think maybe you'd... And, and it's dangerous for Americans. And Europe has no role in this. We're not the only ones that would be hanging the Kurds out to dry. The Kurds were helping us and the rest of the coalition in all these situations. Oh, yeah. Which was all the European countries, Britain and France and Germany. And they're not stepping in to, uh, to help the Kurds out. Right. And Donald J. made the point the other day loud and clear. And it was so interesting, but it got no reporting because it didn't have to do with uh, impeachment. He said, look, you've got tens of thousands of euros who are ISIS fighters or ISIS families. We're paying to keep them in a camp right now. France, we got a bunch of Frenchmen and women and and kids who are allied with ISIS. You got to take them back or figure out what to do with them. We're not going to house them at Uncle Sam's happy ISIS camp for the rest of time. You got to step up and do something. Figure out what to do with them. Germany, we're looking at you. Same with you. And the Europeans, as they often do, just shuffled their feet and said, uh, uh, "You're doing a, a good job. We'll talk about it and get back to you." And they never do. By the way, as we learned yesterday, and maybe we'll talk more about this in the future, there's a lot of different factions of Kurds. It's not all one thing, and not all of them are good guys. <laughs> 